Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Pride is an ever-present issue that we always have to be on our guard against, especially when God blesses, especially when we have success, especially when we have, you know, something that happens that we get recognition and we get elevated or whatever. You know, it's important to always keep in mind that, well, you know, the Lord did this. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study through the books of the Old Testament prophets. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Isaiah chapters 36 through 39. Now here's Pastor Brian. He kind of gets everything all at once. He gets healed of a terminal illness and he sees the defeat of the Assyrian army. So you just see how beautifully God comes through for him. And again, you know, let's just remember that these stories, they're true stories, and they're a history of what happened, but they're also a prophecy and a promise of what will happen, what can happen for those who trust God in the future in the days ahead, like we referred to that passage in Romans earlier. That's why these stories are here. They're here so that we can have hope through the scriptures. We read these stories and we think, wow, Lord, you did that in those days for your people. God, do that in our day for us. We can pray that and we can have confidence that God is going to work. And so, a poem by King Hezekiah of Judah after he had been sick and had recovered from his illness. And so here in verse 10, we have the poem, I said in my prime of life, I must go to the gates of Sheol. Sheol is another term for the grave. I am deprived of the rest of my years. I said, I will never see the Lord in the land of the living. I will not look on humanity any longer with the inhabitants of what is passing away. My dwelling is plucked up and removed from me like a shepherd's tent. He's just giving all these illustrations, a shepherd's tent. They pull out the stakes and they move it on. Uh, I have rolled up my life like a weaver. He cuts me off from the loom. And so picture a loom and, you know, the, the thread. And then suddenly he snips the thread and that's the end of it. By nightfall, you make an end of me. I thought until the morning, he will break all my bones like a lion. By nightfall, you make an end of me. I chirp like a swallow or a crane. I moan like a dove. My eyes grow weak. Looking upward, Lord, I am oppressed. Support me. What can I say? He has spoken to me and he himself has done it. I will walk slowly all my years. So he now in this 15th verse in this poem, the first part of it, he's talking about the distress he was in at, you know, the fear of dying. But now when he comes to verse 15, he's going to start describing his reaction to the healing. So this is what he says. He says, I will walk slowly all my years because of the bitterness of my soul. What he, what he means by that is I'm going to walk slowly, carefully, contemplatively, In other words, Hezekiah is saying, I'm going to remember this. 
I'm going to remember this time and the bitterness of soul that I had during this time. I'm not going to forget. In other words, I'm not going to forget the deliverance of God. I'm not going to forget how he rescued me out of such a deep, deep pit. That's what he's saying. And it's interesting, though, that he says this because, you know, it is true that sometimes we can experience a great deliverance from the Lord. And yet later down the road, we forget. We forget how great that deliverance was. But Hezekiah says, I'm not going to forget. I'm going to walk slowly. I'm going to walk contemplatively. I'm going to remember this. That's really what he's talking about here. Because of the bitterness of my soul, Lord, by such things people live. And in every one of them, my spirit finds life. In such things people live. As he goes on in life, he's going to remember this moment. He's going to remember what God did for him. This, these are the things that he's going to cherish in his heart. That's what he's talking about here. You have restored me to health and let me live. Indeed, it was for my own well-being that I had such intense bitterness. But your love has delivered me from the pit of destruction for you have thrown all my sins behind your back. Notice what he says in verse 17. Indeed, it was for my own well-being that I had such intense bitterness. For my own well-being. Isaiah, or excuse me, Hezekiah, he says this was for my good. You know, it reminds me of what David penned in the 119th Psalm a couple of times. He said, on one occasion, he said, it was good that I was afflicted. For then I learned your statutes. It was, uh, it was good that I was afflicted, David said. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. And Hezekiah is saying really the same thing. For my own well-being, for my future well-being, this was good for me to have that bitterness, to have that fear, to have that moment of thinking that it, it's over. Hezekiah, looking back, he says, this was good. This was good for me. This was healthy. And, you know, over the years, I've had battles with illness and things of that nature. And although they were really difficult and challenging times, I, I look back and I realize, well, those things were good for me. Even though at the time, they didn't seem good for me. <laughs> Not in the least. If you would have offered me a way out back then, I would have taken it in an instant. But there was no way out. The Lord allowed me to go through it. And, and I can look back with hindsight and have done for many years and say, it was good that I was afflicted even though at the time it certainly didn't seem to be. And that's where Hezekiah has come here. So he then says, for Sheol cannot thank you. Death cannot praise you. Those who go down to the pit cannot hope for your faithfulness. The living, only the living can thank you as I do today. A father will make your faithfulness known to children. The Lord is ready to save me. We will play stringed instruments all the days of our lives at the house of the Lord. So he's just saying, I'm going to tell my kids. I'm going to share with them what they did, uh, what you did for me. And the rest of my life, I'm going to just spend it praising you. And so that's the response of Hezekiah to the amazing deliverance that God brought to him both personally and to the nation. But the interesting thing is when we come to the 39th chapter, we see that he didn't hold up with that a commitment as well as he should have. But before that, notice what it says. Verse 21, now Isaiah had said, 
let them take a lump of pressed figs and apply it to his infected skin so that he may recover. And Hezekiah had asked, what is the sign that I will go up to the Lord's temple? So in this whole process, you know, how, how am I going to know that the Lord is going to do this? Isaiah said, take these, um, take these pressed figs and apply them to the infected skin. So whether this was a, some sort of a remedy, partially anyway, or whether it was just a sign, in the end, of course, God healed him. He was terminally ill, as we saw. And so I say that, you know, some have thought, well, this is how, if you've got, you know, a certain kind of disease, maybe you should put figs on it. Probably not. We probably would have figured that out by now. But it's more just, this is the sign, God was going to give him something that he could visualize, something that he could see to know that deliverance was going to come. Now, at that time, Merodach Baladan, son of Baladan, king of Babylon. So here comes Babylon. Remember, Assyria is on the decline and Babylon is on the rise. So this Merodach Baladan, He's the son of the king of Babylon, sent letters and a gift to Hezekiah since he heard that he had been sick and recovered. Now, undoubtedly, the king of Babylon was very, very thankful that the Assyrians were no longer a threat. And undoubtedly, they attributed some of that to Hezekiah. I mean, of course, everybody would have heard word that uh, the Assyrian army was defeated in their attempt to conquer Judah or Jerusalem. And so I'm sure that it wasn't only because of the fact that they had heard about the healing of Hezekiah, but they had also heard about the defeat of the Assyrians through Hezekiah. So this is what drew them to come and to bring gifts to Hezekiah. And so Hezekiah was pleased with the letters and he showed the envoys his treasure house, the silver, the gold, the spices, and the precious oil and all his armory and everything that was found in his treasuries. There was nothing in his palace and in all his realm that Hezekiah did not show them. Now, again, if you go back to the account in Kings, or the account in Chronicles, what it tells us here is this is the test that Hezekiah failed. So what's happened now, Hezekiah has has become lifted up. So he's sort of forgotten that all of this great victory was, was the work of God. And he's somehow become lifted up. And then um, I, I think it's the Chronicles version of it it says that at this time, the Lord withdrew from him to test him. And so God is testing him. What is he going to do with these Babylonian representatives that are coming? Is he going to honor the Lord? Is he going to glorify the Lord? Or is he going to take the honor and the glory to himself? And it seems that the, where he failed is that he really took the honor and glory to himself. And he showed them all of his wealth and all of the riches and the greatness of his kingdom. But he showed it in a way that the passages seem to indicate that, again, he was, it was pointing to his own greatness. 
rather than to the greatness of God. And so, verse 3 says, Then the prophet Isaiah came to King Hezekiah and asked him, What did these men say, and where did they come from? Hezekiah replied, They came to me from a distant country, from Babylon. Isaiah asked, What have they seen in your palace? Hezekiah answered, they have seen everything in my palace. There isn't anything in my treasuries that I didn't show them. So you can kind of visualize Hezekiah is just taking them through and just, hey, look at this. And man, look at the wealth that we have and look at all of the glory of this kingdom. And of course, he, as the king, um, well, you, you could understand that a little bit, except he, this is a king who should know and does know, but has apparently forgotten momentarily at least, that this is all the Lord's work. And, you know, it's kind of just reminds us that pride is, is an ever-present issue that we always have to be on our guard against, especially when God blesses, especially when we have success, especially when we have you know, something that happens that we get recognition and we get elevated or whatever, you know, it's important to always keep in mind that, well, you know, the Lord did this. And although we don't have to be weird about it, and, you know, sometimes people say foolish things. I've had people over the years, you know, that I've said something to them about something they've done that's great or, or, you know, some way that God's blessed or something. And, you know, wow, that, that's amazing. And they'll say, oh, no, it's not me, brother. It's the Lord. It's the Lord. And uh, okay, yeah, I get that. I wasn't thinking it was you. <laughs> but, so sometimes, I mean, we don't want to be weird like that. Sometimes people are just giving you a compliment. You know, I know sometimes pastors, people will say, oh, that was a great message. Thank you. That blessed me so much. Hey, brother, it wasn't me. It was the Lord. And, you know, it's, uh, I think that's weird. And uh, I just say, well, thank you very much. I know it was the Lord. I, I don't need to tell them. <laughs> I, know, I know it was the Lord. And that's kind of a, a funny way to illustrate the point. But that is the point. Hezekiah forgot. And somehow he's thinking that it's, it's his greatness that um, is what's on display here. And so Isaiah comes and Isaiah is basically bringing Hezekiah back down to earth here. So Isaiah said in verse 5 to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord, the Lord of armies. Look, the days are coming when everything in your palace and all that your fathers have stored up until today will be carried off to Babylon. Wow. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. Some of your descendants who come from you, whom you father, will be taken away and they will become eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Think about that. Read the first chapter of Daniel. Daniel is one of those descendants of Hezekiah that ends up in Babylon. And in the very first chapter, it tells us about Daniel and his friends. They were part of the... Uh, royal family that was taken to Babylon. And uh, just as Isaiah the prophet had said that the, the descendants would become, they became eunuchs and the king in Nebuchadnezzar's court, you remember. And so listen though, Hezekiah said to Isaiah, 
the word of the Lord that you have spoken is good. For he thought there will be peace and security during my lifetime. So Hezekiah has, has lost it a little bit here. So for him, it's like, well, okay, you know, too bad for my descendants, but at least right now we're going to have peace. So this, this is where Hezekiah failed. Again, Chronicles and Kings point that out more so than the passages here in Isaiah do. But as we put them all together, we get the full picture. And yet Hezekiah was a great king. He was a man who trusted the Lord. But in, in the end, even though he had made that commitment, even though he had gone near to death, even though he had said, I'm never going to forget what God has done for me. I'm always going to remember that this is going to be the thing that's going to keep me in that place of humility and worship. It didn't. And it just goes to show that, you know, apart from the grace of God and the help of God, we can so easily go astray. So we, we have to just always trust in the Lord. We have to keep that and, and even pray, Lord, keep us humble. Keep us in that place where we recognize that any good thing we do, anything we accomplish, Lord, it's because of you. Because we know that pride goes before destruction. And even as we're just thinking right now, I, I can even think of people who God used them in extraordinary ways. I was with a friend the other day and we were talking about some of the people that we know who used to do what we do. We, we pastor churches, we preach the gospel, we teach the word. And we were just sort of reminiscing on some men that we know who did the very thing that we're doing but no longer are doing it. And they're no longer doing it because of sins that they committed. But before they got to the actual sins that publicly were exposed and brought them down, there was pride that set in. And that's what led to that. So God help us and guard us against that pride that is there residing in all of us. But by God's grace, and as we just uh, remember that, but for the grace of God, I would go in the same direction. The Lord, he will keep us. So that brings us to the end of um, this section. So this is the first section of Isaiah. And as I said, as we come to chapter 40, uh, we get into uh, kind of a whole nother feel in the book of Isaiah. Chapters 40 really through the end, chapter 66, but, but especially the, the chapters in the 40s and right up through chapter, say, 55. Oh, there's so much richness in there. And I think we're going to really be blessed as we go through these chapters. But let me just say this one thing in closing. I want to go back to our current situation. And, you know, it's really interesting. And, and many of you who know me and you're familiar with my teaching, I think you would agree I'm not an alarmist in any sense. I believe in the Lord's coming. I believe that, you know, Christ is going to return. Hopefully he will do so in our lifetime. But, but I do think that we should think about a few things. It just seems like, you know, we're 20 years into the 21st century. And it just seems like these past 20 years, we've seen an escalation of things. And Jesus said this. He said that things would be like women in labor. And I don't need to tell any of you women this, but for us fellows who maybe don't know this, uh, the thing about labor 
is the closer you get to birth, the closer the pains get and the more intense they get. And that's what Jesus said. He said, the closer we get to his return, that these birth pains, as he called them, these various things, they would get closer together and they would become more intense. And and it seems to me like that is happening in our world today. But whether or not that is pointing to a very soon return of Jesus to the earth, as people, we are... We are defenseless against certain things, and it brings to mind our mortality. And it also, uh, it also points us toward the only answer to our mortality, and that's Im- immortality through faith in Jesus Christ. So this is the promise um, of God through Jesus. It's the promise of eternal life. You know, when we're living well, when we're healthy, when we're comfortable, what do we need eternal life for? We got life, life's really good right now. But when the prospect uh, comes along of this life not maybe lasting as long as we thought or something like that, then eternal life is a whole nother thing that maybe we should consider. And so I want to close by just, I, I don't know if anybody new is tuned in, anybody that's listening or watching needs to hear this, but I want to say this, it's time to get right with God. And the way to get right with God is to turn to Christ, to turn to him and to ask him to be your savior, to ask him to forgive your sins. And when you turn to Christ, you're turning away from who you are and what you've been. The Bible uses a word repent and repent means to turn, means to change, means a change of mind, can imply a change of direction. So your life has been going in the opposite direction of what God intends to repent is to turn, and is to turn to him. And as you do that, as you turn to him, as you just say, Lord, I'm going to turn to you, and I want to receive your forgiveness, and I want to put my faith in you, he's going to receive you. Jesus said, I'll never turn anyone away who comes to me. He's going to receive you, and he's going to give you eternal life. And he's going to take that fear out of your heart, and he's going to replace it with hope and with confidence that even if the body should die, that you have a glorified body, a resurrected body in your future, but you have the presence of the Lord to enjoy when you leave this world. So if that's you, if you're watching, if you're listening, I'm going to say a simple prayer, and I'm going to ask you just to say this prayer with me right where you're at. And uh, we're just going to believe that God's going to do a work in your life. So say this prayer, Lord Jesus I confess that I need a savior. I confess I'm a sinner and I ask you to forgive my sins. I ask you to cleanse me. I ask you to come into my life and to turn me around and to help me to follow you now as my Lord and savior. I receive now the gift of eternal life and help me now to go forward with you for the rest of my days. And I pray this and I thank you in the name of Jesus.
For the month of August, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled 15 New Testament Words of Life, a New Testament Theology for Real Life by Dr. Nijay Gupta. How can we understand some of the most important concepts in the Bible? And how can those concepts make a practical impact on our lives? In his book, 15 New Testament Words of Life, Dr. Nijay Gupta traces 15 words through the Bible that make an impact on how we live the Christian life. Words like righteousness, faith, and holiness. You'll learn their Old Testament background, discover their relevance during New Testament times, make connections with other passages in the Bible, and realize their practical impact for living life today. This book will help to bring theology to life. If you want to see how some of the most important theological themes in the Bible can come to life for you, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. To order 15 New Testament Words of Life, a New Testament Theology for Real Life by Dr. Nijay Gupta. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Isaiah. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.